Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 72, where in a moment, we cover how parents can help children onto the property ladder. That's today's show topic. It's on the way, like I say, but please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programmes to date, we featured loads of stuff, mortgages, pensions, investing, life insurance, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we looked at the top five most Googled mortgage questions answered. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis, and with me as always, this star of our show, it's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Now, I read an article not so long ago by uh, a property expert, and their prediction was if things keep going in exactly the same way they are, our futures in terms of accommodation will actually look a lot like our past. In other words, what will become increasingly the norm is that you'll find, say, maybe three generations of a family all living in the same house, a bit like the Victorians did. And I was quite taken aback, but it's not an unpopular theory. Tell me why, Phil. Yeah, at the moment, I mean, rising house prices have made it really difficult for people to get on the property ladder. I, I had a look on Google earlier on, and the average wage in the UK, according to, to Google, last year was £25,971. I actually thought it was a wee bit higher than that figure, but the, the average house price in the UK in November last year it was seemingly like 271,000. Mm. So if, if you look at an average wage of just under 26,000 and an average house price of, well, just over 270,000, the figures kind of make you think, well, hang on, if that's the average somebody's getting paid, how can they afford to buy an average house? The, the figures are quite incredible and it really makes it difficult for first-time buyers to, to get their foot on the, the property ladder. Now, I know first-time buyers will usually be looking it's starting out in a, a much cheaper property. However, with house prices rising over the, the years, it really has made things much harder for the, the young generation to get on the property ladder. Mm, I suppose, Phil, but before we really tear into this one, it's worth asking the question, how important is it to own your own property? I mean, other countries, they don't seem to place quite so much value in it as we Brits do. In Germany, for example, it's not uncommon for someone to never own a house, but just to rent the same place for their entire lives if they can do that. What are the advantages of owning that make it a better option? It, it certainly does seem to be a very British thing. I know in Japan, what they do there, they buy their houses, but they take out an interest-only mortgage, never actually pay back the debt, and then pass the debt on down the, the generations. But certainly here, there, there seems to be, in, in the UK, a great, I don't know, a great culture of buying property. And it's almost like your, your home is your castle sort yeah. of thing, is it? And but at the moment, interest rates are still historically really quite low, which is good if you're looking to, to borrow money. We, we did a, a previous podcast last year. It was actually one of our most listened to ones. I was having a look at the statistics just recently for, for all the podcasts that people listened to the most last year. And I think 
our second most listened to one that we did last year was Should I Buy or Rent? Which I was quite surprised at that. But I guess that just shows that people in the UK have got a, an interest in property and it is something that that kind of does interest people. But owning your own home, it gives you some security. It can give you a sense of achievement buying a house as well. And it also gives you a bit of stability. That That's one of the other factors and advantages of, of owning your own home. And many people see owning their own home as a really good investment. But over the years, property prices have risen so much, Just not, not just in the last like number of years, but over time, property prices have, have really gone up a, a heck of a lot. And and you would expect that they would continue to do so. You get some periods where things can be a wee bit up and down, but also having your own home, it gives you a bit of independence as well. You can do up the property as you wish, whereas if you're renting, you maybe are a bit more restricted with that. You can decorate it as you please and, and make enhancements to the, the living space as well. So owning your own home is a, a very popular option. Okay, so let's assume we, as parents, want to help our children get onto the property ladder. No doubt coming fast on the heels of, Dad, can I get a car? And Dad, can you help me through college or university? Um, <laughs> how, how do we go about that? Are there, are there a few options to it? Yeah, there's probably quite a few options that we, we can cover today. I mean, parents have got a, a range of options for helping their children onto the property ladder, and that includes that they can make a gift outright if they, they've got the, the savings. They can use their own home if they own that to, to do something there to, to help them out. There's a couple of options where parents can, can support the kids on a mortgage application, or it could be that they could sort of use their assets to a security as well, charging other assets is what that's called. So each of them requires some thought as to what choices are going to be right. And again, it's always down to the, the individual circumstances as well. Okay, um, so t- take me through the, the pros and cons of each of these then, Phil. The first you mentioned was uh, making an outright gift from your own savings, which is great, but you, you've got to have enough in your own savings to gift the cost of a house. And, and for that gift, not to bother you financially, I suppose... There are other implications to that as well, are there? I mean, take me through the, the advantages and disadvantages of yeah, that one I mean, specifically. If, if you're well enough off and can afford to gift money away, then that's one of the simplest ways of, of helping out your kids. Now, in very rare circumstances, would somebody give gift the full amount for, for a property? But the, the parents could certainly gift maybe an amount that could be used as a, a deposit. What One good thing with an outright gift is potentially it's exempt from inheritance tax purposes after a period of seven years. So if if the parents have got an inheritance tax liability, there could be advantages for for the parents in gifting money away there. But as I say, not many people would afford to gift the full amount of the the property purchase. And gifts from parents can be used as the the deposit on the mortgage. Many lenders nowadays are are okay with that. What you'll tend to find is they might um, want some proof that it came from the the parents. But for many lenders, that will be classed as an acceptable source of deposit. Some ask for what's called a gifted deposit letter, or some have got like a gifted deposit form that they they need completed. And that's really just used to confirm that the parents have got no interest in the property and and to confirm that it's a gift and not a loan. If it was a loan, lenders can be a little bit more funny with that, but some will still allow that as long as it's repayable. Usually, at the point when you sell the property uh, is what the lenders would usually want in that circumstances. 
Okay, uh, next, using your own home. I mean, what exactly do you mean by that? And what are the good and bad bits of that option? Yeah, there, again, there could be a few options here. One thing parents must do is make sure that any help they give their kids doesn't impact on their own financial plans. I think that's always something that that's very important. I mean, if you are gifting money to your kids or trying to help them out, make sure that it's not impacting on yourself and, and your own financial circumstances. Parents can consider releasing capital from their own property to help the kids if they own it themselves. This could be done in, in a number of different ways. I mean, one is, is looking at remortgaging. So they, they could remortgage their own home to, to raise money for, for the kids. And that all depends as well on, on their age. So if someone was over the age of 55 or over the age of 60, they, they could look at what's called a, a lifetime mortgage, or it's often referred to as equity release we have done a previous podcast mm. on, on equity release as well, but one of the reasons that people sometimes do that is to, to release funds to, to help their, their children out. The parents' circumstances will dictate which options are available to them, and this can be impacted on things like their age, the property value, their credit history. If someone's had poor credit, it might be more difficult for them to get a mortgage. But that said, one, one advantage of a lifetime mortgage is that lenders tend to be more relaxed if the applicant has had so any adverse or credit issues because what happens there is that you're borrowing money and you're not physically paying it back each month, it rolls up against the value of the house with, with that roll-up interest mortgages. So that, that's one option, depending on the person's age. You've got to be over usually 55 to 60. If you're over that age, you, you could maybe look at, at that option. But one of the downsides to, to this option is that lending's based on your age. So if you're not old enough, you, you might not be able to, to qualify for, for a lifetime mortgage. It's also based on the, the property value as well. So one disadvantage with a lifetime mortgage, if someone was doing that, is that there can often be hefty penalty charges for coming out of it early. So again, it's, there's a lot to consider if, if you were going down that route. Um, if someone was doing a, a standard remortgage to release equity, then that would give them a better interest rate than the likes of that lifetime mortgage option that I, I just mentioned a few moments ago. It would be important to take into account any fees the lender's charging if you're doing a remortgage. And likewise, even on a, a lifetime mortgage, you would want to take into account that as well. But if you're doing a remortgage to raise money for your kids, you want to be looking at things like what's the legal fees going to cost, is there valuation costs, any arrangement or booking fees that the, the lender charges. So that, that's another option, the remortgage. Another one as well. If the parents have already got a mortgage, they might be able to do a further advance or additional lending through their, their current lender. And if, if you're exploring any of these options, what I would recommend is speaking to a whole of, mortgage, whole of market mortgage broker. If you're over the age of 55, you also want to be speaking to one that can advise on equity release because mortgage advisors need a, a separate qualification to be able to advise on that product as well. Briefly on that, Phil, you, you touched on the two there, the, the remortgaging and was it the lifetime mortgage? Yeah. It is 55, is it, a, you know, is it a hard mark that you move from one to the other at the age of 55 or is there not a, a, an actual um, definition? So at, at 55, that's a minimum age for, for the roll-up interest lifetime mortgage or something's known as, as equity release. Now, a lot of lenders, it will be from age 60 that they can do that. If you're over the age of 55... I mean, you can still do a normal remortgage. What you'll tend to find, though, is that lenders will assess the affordability. And if it's a taking over a shorter term, 
your monthly payments would be higher. So the mm. affordability might be a little bit more of an issue there as well. But that's why I'm a great advocate in saying, look, go and seek out a whole market mortgage broker and they can look at all the different mortgage options if that was the route that you chose to yeah. go down. Just crossed my mind that, you know, the age of, uh, there must be some age where they're, they're not going to look at a standard 25-year lifetime mortgage. They're going to say, well, hang on, you're 85 now. You know, <laughs> when it's just not going to be viable, there's going to be, there's got to be a cutoff point. Yeah. What about supporting a mortgage application? I mean, presumably, this is sort of more involvement than just vouching for them and saying, yes, I don't think they'll let you down the repayments. They were always very good with their pocket money. I mean, what does... What does supporting a mortgage application actually involve? And way up for me as an option, if you could. Do you know what? Years ago, a popular option to help kids on the property ladder was what was called a guarantor mortgage. Now, this was quite a popular option in, in days gone by. And this was where the parent guaranteed to meet the monthly mortgage payments if the child didn't pay it. Over the years, we've seen a big decline in the availability of guarantor mortgages. And there's very few companies doing them anymore they're a lot more difficult to get and it's something that's really it's been a long time since I've seen one to to be honest one good thing is that in recent years lenders have started to become more innovative with the the various options that they they can offer now some lenders can do what's called a, a joint borrower sole proprietor mortgage and this means that the property can still be in the child's name but the lender takes the parent's circumstances into account when they're assessing the affordability of the mortgage. Now, one of the advantages of that, it, it can be good because you're then taking into account the parent's income there, which can help the affordability so that it allows the child to maybe borrow more money there. This can be a really good option where the parents have got quite a bit of excess income each month. So that one's called a joint borrower sole proprietor mortgage. And one, although the mortgage is owned jointly, so the mortgage is in joint names, one of the good things for the parent here is that because the property is just in the child's name, the, the good thing is that there's no additional stamp duty to pay or, or land taxes. So if you're buying a second property, you often get stung with, with additional sort of dwelling supplement in Scotland, it's called. But it, it also means that when the property is sold, the parent doesn't have capital gains tax to pay. Whereas if that property was actually in joint names, it is possible if the value had gone up quite a bit, the parent might have capital gains tax to pay. So there's quite a few advantages of this joint borrower, sole proprietor mortgage. On that specific uh, product, Phil, I'm, I was just thinking that, let, let's say, for instance, you've gone into that because your son or daughter isn't earning an awful lot of money. You want to get them on that property ladder. You're prepared to go in and do this. You've got a, a fair bit sort of sloshing around yeah, and you can afford to do that. Is there a period, I know it's their name that's on the mortgage anyway, but it's against your earnings, let's say. Is there a period whereby, let's say they get up on their their, their own two feet and they're actually earning pretty well themselves, yeah. but you can sign over that mortgage specifically to them and then they take on the mortgage themselves? Yeah, that's it. One good thing with mortgages is you can keep reviewing them and, and over time as well. And certain people's circumstances change. So yeah, it's a good example of where someone over the years, their earnings will start to go up and then they can look at mm. taking things on, on on their own as well. Okay. You talked about charging other assets. Now, what does that mean and how does it work? Yeah, another newish mortgage option, Barclays have got what's called a springboard mortgage. There's other companies that do similar kind of ones, but theirs is probably the, the most popular one and, and 
they're a big lender that people have heard of as well. With this one, the, the property is still owned by the child, but with this option, you have a family member or friend put up security. Now, the, the way that works, Barclays will actually consider lending up to 100% of the purchase price. It's got to be done at the minute on a, a five-year fixed rate product. And the current interest rate as of today's date for that is currently 3.7%. So the, the interest rate's not too bad, not as low as if you had bigger deposits to put down, but it does allow you to borrow up to, to 100%. And what happens here is that the parent is required to deposit a sum, currently 10% of the, the purchase price, into what's called a helpful start account. So that 10% goes into like a, a savings account, but it's there to act as security so that if anything happened and the mortgage wasn't paid back, the bank can get their money back from, from that pot. And what, what happens there, the money is tied up, the, the money the parent puts in is tied up for five years and then that's returned to the parent. Plus they do get some interest on that as well. So they, it's not a lot, but they, they get a wee bit of of interest on it. But the major advantage of that one is that it allows the child to, to get on the property ladder. After the five years, they then just continue on with the, the mortgages, uh, with the mortgage themselves at that point. And as I say, if they had failed to make any of the payments, that's just deducted from the parents' pot. So a, a little bit similar to, to kind of it's not quite a guarantor mortgage, but it's something, again, a wee bit new. It allows folk to, to try and get their, their foot on the property ladder. And lenders are starting to be a wee bit more innovative when it comes to this sort of thing as well. And I suppose, Phil, let, let's just say, again, let's say you are pretty well off. You are Scrooge McDuck, right? And uh, Huey, Dewey and Louie are all looking to go and move out and get their own place. You do this this way, then you, you're putting this money aside You've already maxed out in your ices, let's say. This is a way of saving some money and making a little bit on it and realising, you know, a tiny profit in a few years' time. I know. You're really doing it, not so much to gain any interest, but really just to, to help the kids out. And at least you know, as long as they make the payments, you're going to get that money back at some point, well, yeah. in, in the five years in, in this case. I guess for the lenders, they look at it and they're happy to do this because they, they say, right, Hopefully, the, in five years' time, the property value will be up, so there'll be a bit of equity in the property mm. at that point. That's probably the, the view the lender's taken on it. And at that stage, the child can then take the mortgage on themselves. 72 episodes in, and I believe that's the first time I've used Huey, Dewey, and Louis McDuck and Scrooge <laughs> McDuck as an example for a financial <laughs> product. A variety of options on the table there, Phil. Uh, certainly more than I thought there might be. But the other thing is that depending on where your son or daughter is, or even where their partner is, if they have one, on their own financial journeys, there are other options which are sort of government-backed, which can sometimes help, aren't there? I mean, give us a reminder of those and how they Yeah, the, there are. There's there's various schemes, such as you, you've got help to buy. There's also one that came out last year, the 5% deposit mortgage guarantee scheme. That was to try and encourage lenders to, to go back to lending 95% mortgages, which are, are currently available at the moment. Some builders do things like gifted deposits. I know in, in Scotland, one of the popular schemes is that lift scheme. That, that was one that we did a show on previously on some of that low-cost housing schemes that, that were available as well. So there are there's other ways that there's help there to try and get young folk onto the property ladder these days as well. Okay, so to summarise for this episode, how parents can help children onto the property ladder, what are the key takeaways and advice? 
I, I would say you, it's good to explore the different options. And a lot of people wouldn't know about things like that Barclays Springboard Mortgage or the Joint Proprietor Mortgage as well. So it's good for people to explore all the, the different options that, that's out there. And that's why I always say, look, go and seek out financial advice and mm. mortgage advice and people will be able to help you with, with all the different options that's right for your circumstances. Okay, here we go, Phil. We enter into the part now of the show where you can share your own life story. What have you got regarding this one on how parents can help children onto the property ladder? Is this maybe another moment when you worry about how many kids you've got? I know, I have six boys and my <laughs> oldest son's 17, so there's just a way to start getting to the age in yeah. the next year or two where, where this will be kind of on the agenda. But I know for me, at some point, I would love to, to try and help them out. If I can help them out with a deposit, I know my parents helped me out with, with my deposit the first time I bought somewhere. I mean, that was a long time ago. My first flat was £39,000. So it was, cool. I think, just under two grand deposit I had to put down and I had to find my solicitor's fees as well. But it's changed days now, is it? You didn't get many properties at £39,000. So days. Car parks, but, maybe. Car park spaces. I know. <laughs> it is. I, I'd love to be able to help them out in the next few years. So I've a, a wee bit of time to save up. So that'll be one of my motivations to, to try and help goals. him yeah. and their, his brothers as they start to come through as well. Yeah. It's going to be costly for me, all that, boys, that's for <laughs> sure. Uh, and Phil, we always do this bit as well. I mean, I know you find inspiration through various people that you admire and you do love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode on how parents can help kids onto the property ladder? Quote this week is from Winston Churchill. I haven't had one of his quotes for, for oh. quite a while, I don't think, but we make a living by what we get but we make a life by what we give. Wow. Uh, now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if that's what you prefer. Let's get on to this week's uh, contact details in just a second. I'll give it to you after these. Here's our first question. Can you take a break from paying into your private pension? And if so, can it cause any long-term damage? Yeah, you, you can stop and start payments in a pension or a personal pension, usually easy enough these days. Again, I would suggest speaking to your financial advisor to see how it might impact on your plans. And, and obviously, the longer you stop paying in, the more you might need to make up at a, a later date to achieve the retirement income that you want. But the, the kind of answer to that one is, yeah, you can be quite flexible with your, your pension payments. Okay. Next is one from Erin in Everton. Erin says, I feel uh, with the proposed interest rate hikes coming in 2022, will it also become worth investing more in my bank account savings again? At, at the minute, the, the Bank of England base rate is expected to go up in the early part of this year. However, due to the, the threat of Omicron and COVID, some people don't think that they're going to put it up as much as is what some maybe think they will. At, at the moment, inflation is really quite high. Now, one of the things they do to get that down is put interest rates up. And at, at the minute, markets are currently predicting that the base rate will go up to about 1.2% by the end of the year. So that's roughly about 1% more than what it is at the minute. But even if rates do go up to that, it's still not going to be great for people that have got money sat in bank accounts and cash ISAs. So you may see your rates go up slightly, but unless there was a big increase in, in interest rates, it's not really going to make a, a huge difference to you. 
It's about like one pound for every hundred, isn't it? That's basically what we're saying, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. That's it. I know. Yeah. So it's like interest rates at the minute are still really historically low, and and they do think they'll go up a bit, but nothing like to to what they used to be kind of years ago. Okay. Would you say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we, we've covered a fair few topics so far and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thanks for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page for the show, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well, or why not email Phil a question that he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. Please be assured we won't use your real name if that is what you prefer. And remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks, John. 